This episode will contain explicit language, along with spoilers for Fast Five, released in 2011 and directed by Justin Lin. This episode may also contain spoilers for other films in the Fast and Furious franchise. Welcome to a new episode of Franchises and Filmogs. I am the host of the show, Zach, uh, and today we're talking with one of my friends again. Welcome back to the podcast, Stephen, as we talk about Fast and Furious. How are you doing? Uh, vroom, vroom. I'm doing good. Yeah, I struggled there for some reason to think of the name of the franchise. I was like, Fast and Furious, Fast Five, Too Fast, Too Furious. It's too much going on, and there's too many films in this franchise, to be honest. Uh, but today we're talking about Fast Five, which was released in 2011, Directed by Justin Lin, who returned to re- direct this film. Um, budget for this film is estimated to be $125 million. And the gross is $626.1 million, which is insane. We have graduated from the low cost of the franchise films earlier in the franchise. And now we're up to $125 million, but we're still taking in $626 million, apparently. So not a bad take in. Um, before we get started, I have a little uh, surprise segment for Steven here. Um, I watched this on a DVD, and I forgot the amazing trailers that are before DVDs. Wait, like like Blu-ray, though? Not like DVD though, right? No, like DVD. I don't have a Blu-ray player. So that's the beauty of me doing a film podcast without having a Blu-ray player is I have DVDs for some of these films that I just bought at a store that went out of business actually like a week ago. You watched um, this non-HD? You're damn right I did. <laughs> uh, and I... I would say I regret it, but I also got new glasses recently, so my life is in HD again. Um, I watched it with my glasses on, and it was basically like watching a Blu-ray without my glasses. So, uh, But I was going to see if you would have any idea what trailers might have played before this DVD. And the odds of you getting any of these is probably a solid 1%. Uh, but if you get any of them, there will be a prize that I will figure out in the future. But any guesses? This film came out in 2011. Yes. That's not really much of a hint, but... <clears throat> 2011, rated PG-13. Yes, that's important, too. So it's gonna be another PG-13 movie. Man, what was PG-13? Not necessarily true, actually. Really? Yeah. I'm pretty sure one of these is rated R. Hmm. Any clue? I, no, I don't need a clue. I don't need a clue. Did they give a trailer for Captain America, the first Avenger? No, they didn't. Okay, what about Harry Potter, the Deathly Hollows part two? Nope. All right, I'll do one more guess. Oh, man. Wow, what about Rise of the Planet of the Apes? 
No, they did not. Damn it. Now, this was like, these were some of the worst trailers I've ever seen before a DVD. But I think it's important that these were not necessarily new films coming out. Um, But the first trailer that I saw was a trailer for Scarface coming out on Blu-ray for the first time ever. So damn, that was number one. Number two was a film called Honey 2, which I had never heard of in my life. And it's apparently a dance battle film. Uh, so you can check out Honey too. Maybe I'll do that franchise one day because I apparently there's uh, three films, I think, maybe even more. But the first one's called Honey, and then there's Honey 2, Honey 3, maybe Honey 4. Um, the third trailer was for Scorpion King 3, Battle for Redemption. No. Which I didn't know there was Scorpion more than one. King. Did you even know there was more than one Scorpion King film? Because I did not. I did know there was a second one. I did not know there was a third one. Yeah, and there's like no one recognizable in the trailer it's, to me. It's incredible. Scorpion King has managed that considering <laughs> I'm still scarred with the Dwayne Johnson cameo in The Mummy as the Scorpion King. Because yeah. it's still, maybe to this date, the worst CGI I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, I think that holds up as some pretty terrible CGI. Um, the next trailer was Bring It On the Musical, which apparently was released on DVD or something. And then the final one was another new film coming out on Blu-ray, or an old film that was newly being released on Blu-ray, and that was for the Jurassic Park trilogy. So some real great trailers that had nothing to do with Fast Five, except maybe Dwayne The Rock Johnson connection to Scorpion King 3, but I don't think he's even in Scorpion King 3. So yeah, not a great connection. Um, Are you curious to know what trailers played before Fast Five in theaters? In theaters. Not on, on DVD. Yeah, because it's probably way different. It was kind of a trap segment um, that I had you go through, but I'll be watching Fast 7 on uh, DVD again. Uh, Fast and Furious 6 I don't have on DVD, but maybe for Fast and Furious 7, I'll see how the trailers hold up, and maybe they'll be newer because it's a newer film. Um, you don't yeah. want to like enter the 21st century. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> watch 8 movies again yeah um cool so that was a a little intro segment that was a lot of fun right um fast five let's get back to back on track here uh back in the car um fast five released in 2011 by justin lynn that's what we're going to talk about now for probably the rest of this episode at least until a little later on um but couple of fun facts that I like to start with for these episodes is that there is a truck slash train stunt at the beginning of the film. And we'll probably talk about that a little bit, but it was filmed practically and almost derailed the train. And I don't think they intended to derail the train, but I did not realize that was filmed practically. So that was pretty cool um, to see. And Hobbs, who is played by Dwayne, the rock Johnson, uh, I believe his name is Luke Hobbs, the character was originally cast for Tommy Lee Jones and 
I guess there was that didn't work out. So Dwayne the Rock Johnson took over because some fan recommended him. At least that's Vin Diesel's side of the story. Is some fan like posted about him being in the film, so then they were like, "Oh, that'd be great," and then they cast him. I think it would be a very different movie with Tommy Lee Jones. How would that even be interesting at all? I feel like the in character... terms of like a dynamic catching Vin Diesel. Tommy Lee Jones isn't scary. He isn't tough. What are you gonna have? No Country for Old Men. Tommy Lee Jones like sadly reminiscing about the good old days yeah i think you have like the men in black tommy lee jones um but even then men in black tommy lee jones is only scary because he has alien guns yeah well i think it's a very different character probably if you cast him instead of dwayne the rock johnson you're not having like two bodybuilders fight each other you're having like a more strategy based uh like fbi agent trying to capture him i don't know I really should have just had a, we're going to go down that route, just have a, what Javier Bardem's character from, or wait, was it Anton, whatever, I always forget which one, no, it's Javier Bardem. For what? Yeah, yeah, the Anton Sugar in No Country for Old Men. Oh, oh, that's would have been a That would have been an intense opponent for Dominic Toretto. yeah. Yeah, Tommy Lee Jones, I don't think... I think they made the right choice without him. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But it would be a very different movie. Um, this was the first Fast and Furious film released for IMAX. Uh, it was filmed in Puerto Rico, and it added $27 million to the Puerto Rican economy, even though this film takes place in Rio de Janeiro, technically. But it was filmed in Puerto Rico. And the last fact that I have, also money-related, is that Vin Diesel was apparently paid $15 million for this film, which is insane, and you know I don't know why he still works. Paul was? I don't know. It is interesting, because at least before, you, you know, his tragic passing, I always, like, when I thought of Fast and the Furious, I always thought of Paul Walker first. Yeah, you know, to me, like he was the face of it. Vin certainly was taking over that, or they're trying to push it to him taking over that. But still, I don't. Maybe it's because I grew up so obsessively on Too Fast, Too Furious that I always just thought of Paul Walker. But it is interesting. I w- I would consider Paul Walker the face almost of the franchise yeah. for that, but. To me, it's like Vin. Vin is the leader of the pack, but uh, yeah. Paul Walker is the the heart of the franchise, and that's who I am more interested in as a character because I already know Vin Diesel's character, and it's pretty similar to everything else um, that he plays. So, I guess. Uh, one of the big producers of the movies in the first place, though, is Vin Diesel. So that might be why. Oh yeah, that's true. Vin became the face, and like Dominic became the de facto leader, was yeah. because Vin Diesel was producing it. That's I don't know. That's what I guess probably why the original ones, at least for me, it always felt like Paul Walker's movie, probably because Vin Diesel wasn't producing them. Yeah, I will say Vin Diesel was paid fifteen million, and that includes 
the producing money. So it's for producing and acting. Um, I don't know how much producers usually make, but it still seems like a lot of money. Producing money is usually in the uh, box office results. Yeah, right. It's yeah, it's whatever they take in, um, like a percentage of that. So yeah, so those are all the facts I've got. Um, Let's just start off here. Uh, I want to talk about the opening scene now. Oh, I did want to say that I apparently watched watched watched. Um, I apparently watched the extended version of oh, this no. film, which I don't know if you watched or not. <laughs> no, I specifically didn't watch it. So what I also did is I kind of looked up what the differences are, and there are hardly any. The only difference is apparently it's more bloody and like there's a little bit more of like splatter of blood on the walls and stuff like that that they cut so it's only like i think it's less than five minutes longer and it's only like certain shots were cut um now that's what i read online so i could be wrong but i think it's just barely longer uh so i I don't think it needs to be a new name for extended versions that are like that where it's like five minutes because then you have like um uh hateful eight extended edition where quentin tarantino's like here have another hour and a half Mm. right and it's like i feel like there needs to be a different word one is clearly extended one is like just just stay a little like five extra minutes longer please yeah i just don't get why they wouldn't make like a rated R version and a PG 13 version if they're going to go that far. Cause like, it seems like the, the extended version for this is just leaning toward more of a rated R rating as opposed to anything else. Like they have some side-by-side shots that I saw online and it's literally just like a guy is choking someone instead of like hitting him on the back of the head. So it's strange. I don't know exactly why they did that for the extended cut or, or how that even happened, but I don't think we watched different movies. Um, at the beginning of the film, though, this was something that I was kind of wondering. I don't think it's only in the extended. I think it's in both of the versions. But did you see like the montage that's uh, from Fast and Furious, like the very end of it, where they break out Dom? uh yeah yeah i guess like before they break them out or whatever yes yeah it cuts like right before that but it's like footage from fast and furious yeah okay i just want to make sure also when was the last time that you watched this i should probably ask that yesterday yesterday okay sweet so it's, it's fresh gotcha um i enjoyed the first scene quite a bit Uh, We'll definitely talk about our ratings at the end of the episode, but I wanted to to get your take on that first opening scene, not the montage, but after that with the whole train uh, going off the rails. And how did you feel about the pace of the start of this film? Yeah. um, Quickly before that, I'm going to rant that. Why didn't they show the breakout? Like they they like they show the bus overturning and then they just cut it and he's broken out and whatever. Like, show me more. Like, why are you cutting the action out of an action movie? Yeah, I. I was just like, I. It's just one thing that just annoyed me. You know, it's like you have an 
action movie. You start with an intense scene. Give me the full scene. Don't cut to it so we can get like a slow montage of Paul Walker and uh, Jordana Brewster driving around South America. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, Mostly because they're also recycling footage from the last film. So it's like, it's nothing new. And then they just decide to cut to the credits. I don't love the very open of this film because it just doesn't feel like it's adding anything new. It's just like last week on Fast and Furious, you saw that he was about to break out. Yeah, it Um, wasn't a Fast and Furious opening. Yeah, yeah. But the train heist is, I think it's pretty sick. The, the, The truck that has the suspension like saying that they carry all the cars onto the bed of the truck. And then also like the, apparently like the strongest cables in the world that can just yeet the cars out of the train. Yeah. In like a second. I mean, I, it's definitely throughout this scene. I mean, this is kind of like the goodbye to modded cars also in the series. As Mm -hmm. you know, they bring in like the stock, classic kind of cars and then say goodbye to the street racing life yeah um so yeah there's some intense scenes i like there's like the guy that uh dom throws out and the man just gets absolutely obliterated by a pole yeah (laughs) on the bridge that's pretty sick the obviously there's a scene uh near the end of the whole sequence where Paul Walker surfs the car. Yeah, he's holding off, onto that back pole thing. Off of the cliff, and they absolutely should be dead because it was like 200 feet mm-hmm. straight into water. And Yeah, can you imagine that that belly flop going in there? <laughs> I don't think they belly flopped, but you know. <laughs> I, no matter it, it where is... you're hitting, it's, it doesn't feel good. <laughs> I do just it's just it's a funny sequence and it's good for action that like the second like they start floating and the music stops and you know uh uh Brian just decides like ah this is a great time to show off my uh, skateboarding stance on this car <laughs> yeah goes off the the side um I do think like this whole the whole like setup for this scene Vince is so stupid. And Vince I, is stupid in the first Fast and the Furious. Yeah, and I don't like Vince in this movie very much. Um, I wrote down, for this opening scene, I wrote down that Vince and Brian fight like children. And it takes me like out of the movie quite a bit because I can't take it seriously. <laughs> the like second rant of the podcast so far is... Vince is not, there's no way he'd be a respected gang leader in South America. The first one, he was just a, a common thug loser that lucked out by <laughs> ending up with Dom's group. It's just, it yeah. just, just doesn't make sense with his character. Why does he have all these loyal people with guns staking out his place? And then... It's like for his first thing he says to Paul Walker is like, how does it feel to be on the other end of a wanted poster? It's like, oh, I guess Vince didn't watch Too Fast, Too Furious. Mm-hmm. He's been he's been wanted, buddy. Where you been at? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. 
he also picked like the absolute worst crew for the heist because they were all just not working for him at all. And it's one thing where uh uh he was like Vin Diesel was like, Oh, you had to make a call, Brian. Well it was a shitty call, O'Connor. And I'm just like, Dom, blame Vince. He set up the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> this is all Vince's fault. Leave O'Connor out of this. Yeah, they really play up that Vince is gonna be working with the enemy and then he's not. And I don't know why they wouldn't just go with that. So I feel like that would make for a more exciting movie. Because he like hardly turns. Like he kinda was working with the enemy and we don't or we don't know what's going on, but he like hardly turns. And I yeah, go ahead. I think Vince knew the job was from Reyes is the extent of it. And I think he knew they were specifically invested in only the one car. Mm-hmm. Why he didn't communicate that with the rest of the group makes no sense because then um, Mia wouldn't have taken the car they wanted. They would have just let those guys take the car that they needed and they would have taken the other car and like the movie wouldn't have happened. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and there's also the part two where Vince tries to get the chip and Dom doesn't let him just take the chip to Reyes, which also would have ended the movie. Yeah. But I guess uh, Dominic just knew that he needed the chip to bargain for their uh, freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I I don't know if we can argue with the Fast and Furious logic because there isn't much usually. Um, but yeah, the story could almost always use some work in these Fast and Furious films uh, and the setup can. I think that at this point they're introducing like, or they're reuniting too many characters. And this was a problem I had uh, with the last film too, was that they're just like, barely we barely get glimpses of certain characters like han is still under featured in this film and <laughs> roman is under featured in this film i don't even know who leo and santos are really um Tej is under featured giselle's yeah. under featured basically everyone because there's just too many people han they're definitely it's definitely under the knowledge that you've seen Tokyo Drift. Like, everything about his character is, like, they just feel like they, I don't know, they almost don't need to do anything because it's like, you loved him in Tokyo Drift, and here he is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what they do with him. But they also do that with, like, the other characters. And I'm like, I guess Roman's film is um, Too Fast, Too Furious. They're like, oh, you saw that, you know Roman. And then Giselle's film is Fast and Furious, which she's like not a big role in at all. And then I still don't know, like where did Leo and Santos come from? Cause I have no clue. I think they're from fast and furious, but I don't remember them in it at all. Um, this, this is going to be like one of the probably like <laughs> dumbest film sentences I've ever said, but watching this, I was thinking, how much better I think like Marvel and the MCU does better than Fast and the Furious in terms of like really making all the characters interact. Yeah. We're like in the Marvel movies, 
as much like flack as I'll give them, the characters do feel like they are a team and a group. It feels like they all get almost equal amounts of screen time and like they all have personalities, they all interact. It it feels like they're they're friends and they're having real conversations, but Fast and the Furious, at least in this one, it partitions off the care like the side characters into like these cliques, like Roman and Tej share the screen together, and yeah. and that's basically who they share the screen together the entire movie, other than Roman with Vin and uh, Paul a little bit, and yeah. then you got Santos and the other guy Leo, I Leo. Think. <laughs> that I mean, they're from Fast and Furious was their first appearance, and so like they just keep them together. Because they're the friends or brothers or something, but then they they section off Giselle and Han, and then they section off Mia, Brian and Dom, and, and so yeah. like it doesn't feel like that everybody's interacting and getting to know each other. So the scenes where they're doing that like family thing and everybody's happy for each other and they're having a great time falls flat because. You're like, well, as far as I'm concerned, Roman has only talked to Tej this entire time. <laughs> yeah. I do like the Leo and Santos banter that we get. And I feel it's like good, yeah. this film like builds on them a little bit. But I kind of like, I want to know their background. Like, who are these people that were just randomly put into this film now? Um, so I wish, uh, maybe in the future, I don't think they're featured much at all in this franchise, but maybe... They are yeah. more in the it's later just, films, so I'll have to look out. But Fast and the Furious doesn't really earn the family moniker outside of the original core, Brian, Mia, Dom. But yeah, yeah, it's and and it is sad to see the great bromance between Tyrese and Paul Walker kind of like fade in this movie because they focus more on like Paul and. Vin Diesel. Yeah. I do um I wanted to talk about some like things that stood out to me as like really mistimed script writings uh or or yes. lines given because there are a lot in this film. Like I'll admit I enjoyed this film a lot more than I probably should have, but there's a lot of weird timed stuff. Um and the first one that stood out to me was there's this huge gunfight in the favela. And then they escape narrowly, and it's Brian, um, Dom, and Mia, and they're like, we should split up. And then out of nowhere, <laughs> Mia's like, I'm pregnant. And I was just like, why Why here? Why now? Like, I get that their life was just in danger, but it stands out so much that they were just like, we got to get her to say this somewhere so that Dom knows. It's It was uh, like... But- the character's way of getting Dominic to not split up. Like maybe she thought he was gonna be too stubborn about splitting up. Hmm. And also uh, Brian was also like, Hey, we should split up. And then she's like, nah, guys, I'll break it. Let's stay together. Yeah. I think maybe the scene's just too short or something that we don't get like any explanation. But she's just, I'm pregnant out of nowhere. And there's like a little moment where Dom's like, oh, that's great. And then that's it. That's the whole scene. They're like, yeah, we'll stick together. Okay. Yep. And it was right after this huge gunfight. So I don't know. 
That was I the really, first one. It reminds me like the whole split up thing. I guess if you ever seen the movie Cabin in the Woods. I actually have not, but I have been meaning to watch that and I keep forgetting. The, the movie riffs on like the classic horror movie tropes where like people split up and it's always like the dumbest idea ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where there's like a character in that specifically that's like, no, let's stay together and do this. And then the, the movie makes him like say, let's split up. And it's really funny. Yeah. I'll definitely have to watch that and, and report back to you. Cause I've heard a lot of good things about that. film. It's very good. It's like, it's kind of a parody. Well, it's not like a comedy at all, but it's a horror, like based on horror tropes. And it kind of it's, makes fun I mean, of them, like, right? It, it's, it's definitely like horror comedy. It's really okay. funny. It, the movie definitely like take shots at it's all about just i guess like upturning the uh the norms and the tropes of horror movies yeah yeah that scene definitely sounds pretty similar to this um i think the second the second scene i that i found jarring that did this was when brian and dom are like talking outside and dom is talking about his dad and Brian out of nowhere is like, I don't know shit about my dad. And I'm like, Dom just told this like real heartfelt story about his dad and like how he followed his dad. And I'm like, I get that you're trying to give us more Brian background, but that's not, you don't just do that. And then he hardly expands on it at all. He's just like, I don't want to be a bad father. And it, it's so jarring because they're just forcing like lines into his mouth that just don't fit into the film so. yeah like the beginning of the scene too is like forced exposition where they're kind of just they're just sitting down and brian out of nowhere is like what do you remember about your dad and it's like what okay we're doing this now yeah so i found that pretty jarring let's see the next one was when hobbs we'll probably talk about hobbs a little bit um but hobbs comes after dom and dom is like we should go out into the open and do this street race so that hobbs is afraid of us and Hobbs comes to arrest Dom at the street race and he comes to arrest Brian and all of them. And out of nowhere, like, I don't know why Hobbs would come and do this if he didn't realize that this was not possible. But out of nowhere, Dom is just like, this is Brazil, not America. Brazil. And like everyone. Yeah, that's how he said it. Yeah. Brazil. Um, and then everyone pulls a gun on Hobbs. And I'm like, why would Hobbs go into a pack of people and not realize that they could all have guns um since they're doing illegal activities anyways so i found that like i don't know why that was a scene at all uh but i didn't I really think like it's it. more about like maybe the loyalty of the people and also like them just not giving a fuck right because like, i got yeah. people in america like everybody could own guns at a street race here yeah. too i guess it's just more brazil is more wild wild west or something everybody's ready to just throw down kind of thing yeah i think my problem is still just like hobbs is supposed to be one of the best agents out there and he does not realize what country he's in or how the people act um or like the people that he's trying to arrest so i i, I mean he know. wasn't afraid I think we should be clear. I, I feel like if his if his teammate didn't say like, hey, let's go, Hobbs would have just been like, all right, let's just fucking fight right here. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I guess well, I, I could give him more of a chance on that. Um, there's another pregnant scene 
later where they tell the whole like group that uh mia is pregnant and that doesn't play well either it just feels like forced exposition again so i i don't know why they can't just naturally like tell someone that someone's pregnant um especially after like all this action has happened and clearly like mia doesn't give a shit she just wants to do all the stuff anyways so i did like rome being very happy during this scene though yeah, because he was just ecstatic, and I liked Tyrese's acting during this scene. And I also like uh, Tej's recurring joke of, "Did you so? Did you slap it, or did you uh, hold on and like, grab and hold on to it?" Yeah, that's true. Um, I don't know. I found that part a little cringy, to be honest. And I don't know if it's just like modern day. It's like hard to to watch that thing but i'm like uh, i don't know if this is acceptable still in a film or not um, I think it is it's yeah. 2011 yeah that far away yeah that's true and it's um i think that my issue is they don't give mia mia has a good amount of work in this film um but for giselle's character they don't give her anything aside from like one lines and I just feel like they don't develop her character. So I do have a problem with that. But yeah, um, I mean, like, she's like, you know, they're all part of the group. They're all supposed to be friends together. So they're just all fucking with each other, I think is the gist. Yeah. I mean, I guess if I look at her character, like, I look kind of at like Han's character, Tej or Roman, it it fits in because they don't have much either. Um, But yeah. Yeah, it, it's okay. Um, the next mistiming I had was Hobbs's slow-mo scene where Hobbs's whole crew is like murdered in front of him. Oh, man. And then it suddenly shifts to slow-mo. And I don't know why they made that choice either. Like it's clear that Hobbs is like ruined over this, but it feels too long. Like the slow-mo is really long. <laughs> it pans to like five of his teammates slowly pans the five of his teammates just getting brutally murdered like the 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 grenade falling in front of the guy and like you just see the grenade and it's like a 10 second shot of the grenade there it's like oh my god aren't there like two grenades yeah i think there were like two actually but yeah it was really strange and i'm also like these are characters like i wouldn't even know that they were with hobbs aside from the fact that they're wearing like a bulletproof vest and I'm like, Hobbs never really said, like, I care for my team so much or anything. So I don't feel much emotion. Yeah, um, I guess it's just, like, it's more implied. We see, like, the guy who gets grenaded is the guy who had to, like, put together the car for him. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I recognize those guys. Those are the only two guys I recognize. Or the the two guys that had to put the car back together because Hobbs gave, gave them a lot of shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the last one I have, and this might have been out of order. I think this is toward the end of the film, but Vince is like, meet my son, uh, as he's dying. And I don't, it's too much. It's mistimed. There's just not, I don't know. There's so much exposition in this film. He wanted Dominique to know he had a son and know that he named him after him, which is hilarious to me. Nico, right? Yeah, man. 
I, don't I do know. like that he said Nico, and then he's like, I named him after you, Dominic. And I'm like, well, yeah, I, I think he's smart enough to figure out Nico's Dominic. I think he should have called him Ominic or named his son something else. Um, I don't know. I feel like Vince is kind of shafted in this whole franchise because he's still like, there's no redemption for Vince. He just dies and he's like, meet my son. And that's our redemption, I guess. I don't know. This is what the character of Vince deserves. I don't (laughs) like Vince. He sucks. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not. He honestly got more than he deserved in this. The fact that he was so set up in Brazil. Yeah. I think they should have just been like, we're done with Vince. Maybe we'll bring him back as a villain later or something. But <laughs> instead they decide to just like have him come full circle and die in this film, which is also okay. Cause that means no more Vince. I think, um, I don't know for sure if Vince returns, I assume not, but <laughs> I know that things are undone a lot in this franchise. So those were all the like mistimed, uh, scenes and like lines I had that just stood out to me. But in terms of some other just bad lines, I definitely think it was a. I hate the um the one like when Tej is talking about the safe, and he's just naming off a bunch of like mumbo jumbo jargon, and. They they're like how do I do I even want to know how you know this and Tej is just like I had a life before you knew me O'Connor and it's like it's just such a, a low effort explanation to you know describe his inexplicable new skills all of a sudden yeah that's true like Tej is really not a Tej is like evolves into the classic like security or tech expert that every like heist or crew film has like they just made him fill that role and they're just like well he had a life before you saw him in too fast you furious so it's okay and i'm like what no yeah i think what what this franchise needs is more spinoffs it needs a giselle a tej a leo and a santos spinoff um because everyone else we know enough about but those characters they need more background because they have like certain skills and we just don't know why they have these skills. So there you go. That'll make you more money for this franchise. Um, oh, the other bad line was yeah. from Roman, where he's like, this just went from Mission Impossible to Mission in freaking Sanity. Yes, like, I wrote oh that down too. God. I, I give it a pass because it's Roman, and I expect lines like that. Um, Still. But he's he has better lines. I want I want Roman's <laughs> old writing back where he just says we hungry and pockets ain't empty because oh, <laughs> that's the good stuff. I did like Giselle like shitting on Han about how he is always eating chips, and then from then on I was like, is Han always eating chips? It, it's it's a Tokyo Drift thing. Oh man. I did He's this wrong. Always eating. It's the second character that always eats. And you know, Roman didn't get to eat in this, which is also disappointing. Yeah. Han was eating a lot of chips in this film. I'll have to pay attention in uh Tokyo Drift. But he was Han definitely eating Roman a lot shine. of chips, and I was like, whoa, I didn't realize this. And it's apparently because he was a smoker. Um so I, I don't know <laughs> if that's a development. <laughs> yeah his character development is his mouth has to constantly be moving because he was a smoker 
Um, yeah, I did want to see how you feel about this film shifting more towards a heist film. Cause I think that's where this franchise is going from here. Uh, and this was a pretty significant shift. Fast and Furious kind of edged toward this, but Fast Five solidifies this shift in my mind. So what do you think about it? I'm okay with it. I like heist films. I think if they're going to go away from the street racing stuff, it's good to do it for this, you know, like extended universe heist stuff, tons of characters recurring and whatnot. I think it's fun. I Like, I had my problems with Fast and Furious where it went away from the street racing, but it didn't replace it with anything interesting like a heist. Yeah, film. that's true. It reminds me a lot of, like, Gone in 60 Seconds, this movie specifically, is, is because, like, they introduce everybody kind mm-hmm. of again, and they give everybody, like, specific roles and skill sets. It's very much like Gone in 60 Seconds in any movie that's similar to Gone in 60 Seconds, because it certainly wasn't the first is the one I thought of. But yeah. I think it's okay. I, I mean, I do think when most of my problems with this movie are entirely in like the first 40 minutes like the majority of the notes i wrote down came before that because there's a line where was it dom says it's like then we're gonna need a team and i was just like finally it's like 41 minutes in and it's (laughs) like you finally bring in the team dwayne johnson has been introduced which the movie picks way up once Hobbs is added into the movie yeah it's like it it takes the movie takes like 40 minutes to really like solidify itself in the genre and yeah I definitely I definitely agree um I do think that a requirement for our Fast and Furious films should be there is at least one race and this one has a great race in it that I enjoyed quite a bit with the police cars um I thought that was really fun. Of course, Brian wins, uh, but supposedly Dom might have let him win so that his kid would get a million dollars. Here's one uh, plot point I had questions about. Considering these characters have always been on the run and considering they can easily make money in street races, why are they even pulling this heist for money? That's I mean, something. A I, lot. I mean, like street races, you know, what are you going to get a night? Like 20K? But how is this money going to help them run away that much? Like, well, I mean, no matter what, what they, they can what still they be said, trapped. though, is when you have that, if you had like $10 million, you bet your ass you could disappear and no one would find you. I guess. I don't know. Maybe one you day. Could, I'll you know. could get yeah. any kind of. <laughs> ID, any kind of car weapons, you could go literally anywhere. It'd be so hard to find someone with that much money and like the entire world to search. I feel like there's no plausible way they would even find them. Yeah. Especially since like like, they don't have to do any like they wouldn't have to use like the general tracing stuff like cell phones they probably wouldn't use. They don't they certainly don't need to use credit or debit cards. Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, i don't know i don't know i i don't find it personally like i can kind of see that argument but i also just feel like it would be easy to track someone that is rich i don't know um 
Yeah. It depends yeah. if they uh, actually hide or they like uh, Santos and the guy I can never remember the name of, even though you've said it like three times. Leo. Who just, yeah, Leo who just go in the casino and like gamble it all. Obviously, like they're going to find them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. I think Dom would be a little more careful with his money than that. Yeah. Um, but But at the same time, these people like live for racing. So no matter what, you know, they're going to be back out on the street racing, even if they're rich. And I feel like it's very easy to attract people that are racing. So I don't know. Uh, I only really have one more scene that I wanted to talk about. And that was when Dom is dragging the safe. Well, I guess the whole heist at the end where they escape with the safe and they're just dragging it down the street. safe, Safe part's the best part. Yeah, for sure. Um, they're dragging it just like down the street. I don't know how this is physically possible because I feel like that safe would either be bouncing a lot they more. They did do it. This is practical. Wait, what? Did they put like a the safe, crap like, ton of not Crisco like all, obviously under it? Like, like all of it, but the safe like is an actual stunt. It was a real stunt pulling the safe with the cars. I want to know how it was slide. They must have put it they, on like wheels or something. Yes, it's like I think it's on wheels, and there's an actual like driver driving the safe. <laughs> it's oh my sick. Gosh. It's sick. I need to watch the bonus content on the DVD because I feel like that's probably explained in there, and I didn't watch all that yet. Um, I don't know the exact like. I don't know if the person's inside the safe or their position somewhere else. Like, I don't know if there's, like, a window on the safe, but, like, it is, like, the safe, the person driving the safe had to drive it in tandem with the people driving the cars, dragging the safe. It's, it's sick. It's a real, there's really good, like, real stunts in this movie. Well, when I found out that the uh, truck crashing into the train was practical, I was blown away, because I was like, that's insane. I thought it was CGI, but it's insane that they almost accidentally derailed the train. Yes, um, I don't know how much is practical in Fast and Furious, but my bet is it's not nearly as much. And I think it really does show, like, you can give this movie credit that the stunts are good, they're convincing. I think the fight scenes, like, even, like, the favela chase scene, <clears throat> I think is good. Like, the fights are good there. Like, uh, Brian dispatches some dudes, and he looks like he's, like, jump punches, like, three people. And then, yeah, I, I, the, the the stunts are good. Like they're convincing. They look way better. You can tell. Like the budget is more on this movie. Yeah, it does tell you a lot that uh, how much money you need to do these types of things is apparently one hundred and twenty five million dollars. Um, but I do really like at the end when Dom is coming back with the safe too and just like taking out cars with it <laughs> yeah. that i am pretty sure is mostly cgi yeah maybe I'm there's sure. like some elements of it that are real um but might be like that was insanely fun and i think that's the most fun scene i've had so far watching any of the films in this franchise uh just because i was like oh there goes another he's just like playing baseball with cars basically um it's a legitimately so. good sequence yeah, the, it's it ups the ante. So, what were you about to say? Something? It's the this one part uh, I put down in my notes. Freaking Reyes's henchman is miraculous at avoiding death. 
throughout the entire movie where like he doesn't get killed by Dom or Brian on the train heist in the beginning. He avoids death while his entire crew gets gunned down by Hobbs's team in the favela scene. And in this scene, he was the only one to break and not get obliterated by the safe. And then he, like, got out of the car before it was, like, subsequently crushed as well. The man is Uh a magician. This is, like, the second guy. Because there's, like, two henchmen, like, main henchmen. And, like, Reyes beats up one of them or maybe kills him in one of the scenes. Oh, yeah, that guy's only, like, there for, like, two scenes. Yeah, but you're talking about the one. other guy that was in the room at that time, right? Yeah, the one who kills like the DEA agents and yeah, stuff. like he's his number 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 two. Yeah, yeah, I will say that I had a lot of fun watching this film. It is very flawed, but I also love it. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much all I have to talk about. Was there anything else specific that you wanted to talk about with the film? Yeah, there's a couple stuff with the the save scene. I like some some other comments I have. Like, I liked at the end of the whole sequence the no frills execution of Reyes by Hobbs. That's just sick. <laughs> it's like it's like the enemy of the film, and it's just like a two second scene where Hobbs walk walks by, pops two in him, and yeah, keeps going. That that says a lot about his character too. I think it so. does. Is a very irrelevant villain it was like there to just fuel the interaction between Hobbs and the rest of the crew really mm-hmm. the this is the part where they do the like the movie kind of pretends it's smart and does the switch of the safes where you know Hobbs thinks they left the money but really they swapped the safes with the other safe that's identical to it that they somehow managed to get yeah It's like the garbage uh, truck part where it's like Gal Gadot in the garbage uniform driving the truck is maybe the most unconvincing disguise I've ever seen. I thought it was (laughs) hilarious. I didn't think about that, but that's very true. Yeah. Yeah, just this just this model in a garbage uniform (laughs) driving around Brazil. Nothing to see here. Yeah. Man. I'm excited to see more Hobbs after this film, because this is, like, not too much Hobbs. Um, And I did, like, Brian at one point said, this guy is Old Testament, and I really like that line. Um, That was a hit for me. Um, Yeah. I like... Another thing I, I like is kind of with the Santos and... Leo and I I thought like they were definitely the funniest. I like when they walked into the police station and there's just the shot of them stopped in the middle of like the lobby surrounded by cops and they just kind of look around all awkwardly and look at each other like, well, shit. <laughs> that's one of my, yeah, that's also one of my favorite scenes. I think that Leo and Santos are more like physical comedy because they don't talk much at all, but I like it still. It's, it's fun. They yell a um, lot. <laughs> that's true, but only like one line. Uh, uh, I found out yesterday that the guy who plays Santos is the guy who did, like, the last song of the movie, like, the montage. Oh. His name is Don Omar, and he's been doing music for a long time. Wait, are you talking about Don Kaduro, that song? Yeah. 
What? That's a really popular song. Yeah, it's dude. Santos has a lot of plays on Spotify, man. Don Omar's been releasing albums since like 2003. Wow. I didn't he's know that. Huge. Yeah, he's huge. Yeah, 700 million plays on Spotify. All of his top songs are like around 150 to 200 million. Yeah. I feel like they play that song at a lot of like sports games as like walk-up songs or or stuff like that. So. It's a good it's a good Fast and the Furious song. I like that it, it is, is in uh Portuguese, I'm guessing, hopefully. <clears throat> And no. I don't know. Like I think it fits this movie. It's a lot better than the um, bespoke songs they have later on in the franchise by like popular hip hop artists. I'm looking at you, Wiz Khalifa, and <laughs> wow, <laughs> like that's a different one story. or whatever. That those those songs are like a lot more lame because they're just more manufactured and. Yeah. I feel like this just has the vibe of the family. I, I don't know. Um, it does. Man. What else is there in this movie? Oh, yeah. I did have a criticism for it. Kind of similar to when they skipped the breakout scene in the beginning. There's a part where they like keep racing for cars to get cars to do like the, the oh, camera yeah. part of yeah, the yeah. heist. And they, and they, they taught, there's like, there's a guy and it's a cool car. And he's talking about how he's going to beat them in the race and they skip it. They just yeah. cut and they have the car. I'm like, show me the race. Fast, the furious. I honestly thought I missed a scene. Uh, and I actually rewound it a little. Cause I was like, I was like eating while I was watching this film too. I was like eating dinner last night. And I was like, was I not paying attention? Because I swear, like, why would they not show that race? Because it's, it's a franchise about racing. Like, yeah, it's, this is like clearly you can show their shift in priority. Because I feel like this, you know, maybe someone can fact check. But I'm saying this is the first race Fast and the Furious has ever skipped. And yeah. not shown. I felt robbed, honestly. Yeah, I felt a little betrayed. I was like... I wonder if they cut the race from it because I I feel like there's no way they didn't film that race. I don't know. You know what I think is kind of funny. Um, there's like with that part where they have to like drift the car around the corners really quickly. Mm-hmm. It, the way was because they fucked up the timeline with Tokyo Drift. This is funny enough, like a scene where they really could have used Sean from Tokyo Drift because he probably would have been the best at. <laughs> Yeah. Drifting around those corners, but they can't because Han technically hasn't met him yet. And I do like the the end when we have the what what is it? Uh Donza Kaduro. Yeah, Kaduro. His song playing and we got all the montage of the people and his uh Giselle and Han having a good time driving fast and like they yeah. it's like the scene where He's like, oh, let's go to Madrid. And she's like, I thought you wanted to go to Tokyo. And he's like, the scene is almost like the movie talking to the audience. Where us, yeah. the audience, is like, uh, Madrid, aren't you supposed to be in Tokyo? When is it going to be Tokyo Drift? And then like the movie's like, uh, it'll be there eventually, we promise. Like, <laughs> We got one like, more movie. 
they're buying time. You know, they're just like, no, we want Han to be in another movie. He's not going to Tokyo yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm getting like more hyped to watch Tokyo Drift now. And I feel like it's going to be really interesting to watch it after all these films and see because it came it's out gonna earlier. It's going to be a, a, a strange. It's going to be a change. Shift. Yeah, definitely. Because that one, is... from what I remember, is like more racing. I have not seen all of Tokyo Drift, I don't think. I walked out last time I tried to watch it. So, but I was I was a very different person then. I will definitely watch it this time. I think but. Tokyo Drift in a way is almost kind of a sister movie to Too Fast Too Furious. A li- yeah. little sister. I mean, it's uh obviously not as good. It's I don't know. It's fun though. It's fun. It's it's a movie that has no business holding up but i think it has almost gotten better with age <laughs> yeah for some i think it's gonna be more fun like with the racing too so yeah it'll be we'll nice go to go to back to racing for sure yeah well i think that's pretty much it for this episode um do you have any anything else you want to bring up i was looking at my notes Oh, more notes. Well, more notes. <laughs> yeah, I was just looking at my notes. Oh, there is. I am going to call out one more thing in the movie. Yeah, that happens in the beginning. Is they make like this is like the bad taste joke where, uh, after the heist gone bad, Brian and Dom catch up with uh, Mia, and she's mm-hmm. like holding a pipe or a wrench for like just protection or whatever because she's been alone or whatever. And it's uh, Dom is just like, ah, just like a Toretto or something, which is like the callback to him in the first movie when they reference him nearly beating some like poor, innocent driver nearly to death. Like, you're joking about this now? Yeah. It's messed up, man. Yeah, they do a lot with those like pipes in this film because, I mean, Dom tries to kill Hobbs with a pipe too, or a wrench. Yeah. Whatever yeah. it is. Always is a wrench. Yeah. But Yeah. Okay, well. Um you know, I haven't really been watching many movies at all. Other than Nothing these new. podcast movies, so what yeah. about you? Um let's see. Let's see what I watch. I'm gonna look at Letterbox real quick here. I do want to watch Army of the Dead. I think I'm going to watch that next. Oh, I'm going to that let I did my watch. boy Zack Snyder. I watched that. Um, I would not say my boy Zack Snyder, but um, I. it's not bad. It's kind of what I expect from Zack Snyder. It is much better than uh, Justice League. I will say that. So it's got that going for it. I would go so far as to say I recommend it if you have hbo did you ever see it, it's netflix dead? i think actually it is netflix um no i haven't seen dawn of the dead dawn of but... the dead was fun which is why i'm like pretty like i was looking forward to this is the zach return into the, the zombie genre yeah oh the other um also somewhat car related film i watched in the past week was bad trip which is the eric andre also on netflix i think never heard um, of it. it's 
is kind of like Jackass, but not as good. But it's not bad. It's pretty funny. Um, I enjoyed it. But I think Eric Andre is also amazing. So I'm a fan of Eric Andre. Um, aside from that, I haven't watched anything else new. Uh, what would you rate Fast Five? I would rate it a three and a half. I'm also there. I think that it is a flawed movie as all Fast and Furious movies are, but it is one of the most enjoyable Fast and Furious films I've watched so far. So yeah, I, mean, I also gave it three and a half. It's fun. There's, we can talk up the practical stunts all day because they add to the movie. They, they figured out the formula that is going to stick a formula that works. It's a tried and true formula. The like heist crew film. Yeah. They made a very smart decision in recruiting Dwayne Johnson, who Mm -hmm. adds just a shot of adrenaline to anything. I mean, Mm -hmm. like, they managed to reboot fucking Jumanji because of him, really. (laughs) Who needed a Jumanji reboot before he came along? I haven't seen the second one of that yet, but I haven't seen I enjoyed the first one. I enjoy the original. The, I enjoy the original more than the first one. Yeah, but. Robin Robin Williams being the hairy wild man is ten out of yeah. ten. Yeah, I'm a big Robin Williams fan, so that original um, movie creeped me out when I was a kid. Yeah, it's kind of scary. It is scary when you watch it as a kid. It's like this board game is gonna suck me up and like <laughs> send me off mm. into some nether realm and throw like wild animals at you, attack you. Um, yeah it's like the creepy drums and shit too yeah i think that's where they went wrong with the reboot is they didn't do that they went for the fun action film uh but yeah. there's definitely like a horror aspect to the first jumanji the original jumanji so it's kind of one of those things where a lot of the kids movies around that time what was jumanji was it 80s or 90s i want to say 90s but it could be late 80s jumanji, 1995 a lot of the kids' movies around this time had scary elements in them, like, all the time. Yeah. Like, I'm looking at some of the screenshots. Like, it's just, like, the floor becomes, like, quicksand, and Robin Williams is getting sucked into, like, a wood quicksand floor. Yeah, it's when he's, like, terrifying. A kid, he his like hands become like flat and he turns into like paper like Matthew McConaughey in that one like Doritos commercial. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> yeah, that if you haven't seen that commercial, go watch that commercial <laughs> if you're listening to this cuz that is terrifying. <laughs> um yeah, I this makes me want to watch Jumanji now. I might have to watch <laughs> yeah. that this week. Rewatch it. Podcast um, episode right there. Yeah. Um so Zach, what's your favorite best and worst 2011? Go. I also don't have a lot of films for this year. I, I have don't a, only either. eleven films, which this is, is the lowest. Fitting, this so. is like the lowest year I think for me in terms of total movies that we've talked about so far. Yeah, I'll do my top three uh, that I've logged. I have the girl with the dragon tattoo, which is not the. Uh, I think it's Swedish. Um, but it's the American version with Daniel Craig and Rooney Mara, I think. Um, I like that a lot. I have Fast Five right below that. 
and I have Ghost Protocol as well. And I need to see that. Oh, also, if you are a fan of the podcast and want to listen, the Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol episode is out there. So um, nice I did plug. all of Mission Impossible. Uh, just plugging myself to go back. <laughs> um, yeah, so those are my top three. Uh, Ghost Protocol is highly acclaimed, and I think it's not as good as everyone says. It's good, but I don't see why there's so much hype around it. Um, it does have uh, Tom Cruise scaling like the tallest building in the world, so that's pretty cool. There's some good practical effects. Yeah, I didn't see... I haven't seen any of the rebooted kind of Mission Impossibles other than Fallout, which is sick. Oh, Fallout's like one of my favorite films. It's um, a great action movie, but yeah. Yeah. My bottom three of the year would be Puss in Boots, which don't ask me why I watch that. Uh, and then I have Thor. And then I have Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. So those were not my favorites. What have you got? Um, Oh, I'm going to hit you with a uh, surprise question. Yeah. Return the favor. What is your most under, what do you think is the most underrated movie of 2011? Of 2011? Yeah. The ones you saw, what do you think is the most underrated I mean, I only have 11 films here. Maybe I should look at, like, all the films. Uh, I think that Contagion is underrated. I would agree with that. I, I did watch it not too, too long ago. Maybe, like, five months ago or something. Yeah, same. Again, I rewatched it. It's a great it. movie. Yeah, I rewatched it, I think, because of the pandemic. I was yeah. like, this is a pandemic movie right here. And I rewatched it, and I think it's really good. Yeah, I was interested in seeing it, like, living the pandemic, I was interested in seeing, like, well, what's the extreme version that they display in it? And it's not, like, completely off-base. It makes a lot of, like, really good points. Yeah. Um, That's the only one I would say I feel like is underhyped, because I feel like a lot of people were just like, this film is just meh, and I think it's better than meh. (laughs) So... It's a good one, man. Steven Soderbergh. Um, yeah, he's so, kind of hit and miss, but... Uh, oh, for sure, but he, he makes some real That's a hits. good one. That's a top-tier Soderbergh hits, film. Yeah. yeah. So my... I'll start with the worst. My worst. Uh, I got two one-star movies here. Cars 2. Mm. Definitely hate that. And then probably my least favorite movie of the year. Yeah, it's definitely my least favorite. Hall Pass. Oh, Owen I don't even Wilson, know what that is. Jason Sudeikis comedy about like they like the, their wives give them like a hall pass. Yeah, a hall pass to, and it's awful. I don't know. It, it's just like everything about it is bad. Like the it's not funny. The parts where it tries to be serious are completely off base and miss the mark. Totally I feel like it's... when you tell me Owen Wilson and Jason Sudeikis star in a movie together, I assume it's not going to be very good. And that's not a hit on both of them individually, but that is not a strong um, comedy or drama uh, lead acting team. 
Mm, I mean, like, I think people would probably disagree with you with Owen Wilson. Considering Maybe. he probably is like a, I feel like he's at this point might even be considered like a legendary comic lead, but. Yeah, I might get some hate mail for that. But. I'm not like the biggest <laughs> Owen Wilson fan. I like Luke Wilson a lot, personally, but. Yeah, Luke Wilson's in some great like indie indie films, smaller budget stuff. But yeah, it's it's wild because like this is directed by the the Farley brothers, which is still ridiculous. That like Dumb and Dumber is good. Like I think Dumb and Dumber is funny. There's something about Mary is cl- a classic. Mm-hmm. But then you have like Hall Pass or me, myself, and Irene, and then like Peter Farley coming out with the Green Book is ridiculous that he made it an actual like serious good movie Hmm. yeah um yeah other than those uh in time the 2011 thriller starring justin timberlake beside amanda seyfried somehow a villain in this movie and his his pedigree and acting abilities are like a hundred times those of his co-stars yeah even Olivia Wilde's in this movie, man. This movie sucks. It's 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 one of those movies. A lot of these movies were coming out around 2010, where it's just like, what if it was a society where this is the norm, or like, or where this happens, and like the whole plot of the movie is just like, what if you lived in a world where you could buy time to live? Yeah, and it's like there's no plot. It's just the plot is the world they live in. Ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, best though. Best. Oh, also Thor one came out this year. I hate the original Thor's. I just had to say that. Um, yeah, me too. Uh, best movies. You know, I I actually have Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part Two. Love it. It's I good it's, film. Just, it's a really good send off to an eight movies franchise which is impressive to be that good that late um yeah the whole series holds up i'll definitely do a season on that eventually so take shelter uh michael shannon is an absolute force in this movie take Love shelter. It. yeah it's from the direct jeff nichols the director of midnight special and mud yeah. mud is another great movie yeah. I'll have to check this movie out. I had not heard of this movie before. Take Shelters, like, if you like just watching a movie where it's, like, generally, like, mainly one actor giving, like, the performance of his life. Then well, if it's Michael it. Shannon, then hell yeah. Michael I'm Shannon in. is incredible in this movie. I don't know who won Best Actor this year, but looking at the movies I've seen, Michael Shannon is by far the best actor of the year. Well, I will definitely look into this movie. Probably watch it very soon. Last spot is tough. I'm deciding between Drive and Shame. I think I'll give it to Shame, though. Steve McQueen, Michael Fassbender in the... That's like the one Steve McQueen movie I haven't seen. It's it's a rough watch, man. Yeah, I mean, most of his films to me are a rough watch, but I respect them. Um, underrated movie of the year. I'm gonna give it to Hannah. Love yeah. Saoirse Ronan. This is very earlier in her career, I guess, as a uh, more of a leading 
actor. Eric Eric Ban is great. It's just I don't like the music in this movie is amazing. The action is really good. There's a lot of like long takes. Joe mm-hmm. Wright is a really I think he's a pretty fine director and so it's just I don't it's good. It's 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 interesting because I think a lot of people see it and it's a movie about a 16 year old girl who's like an assassin and you think mm-hmm. it's like ah it's just gonna be like a stupid like teen movie it is not at all it's it's very well crafted it's good characters good writing yeah it's just it's a technically fantastic film you'll need to mm-hmm. see hannah i will have to watch it because i have not seen that either yeah um funny enough cabin in the woods came out this year <laughs> oh um, really yeah oh sorry to keep rambling on and on and on no but you're good although michael shannon actually does have competition for best actor of the year because uh rafe fines was insane Voldemort, and coriolanus no Coriol coriolanus <laughs> man it's a adaption of a shakespeare play and I remember like the best description I ever saw for performance in it is you watch Ray Fiennes exhibit like eight different stages of rage <laughs> throughout the movie. It's intense. I feel like he's one of the best, like, I don't know what you call it, but maybe it's like classically trained actors, like who's been through all the stage acting and all that. Yeah. Um, and just like gives his all in every performance and is always great. I have not seen him. Well, I've seen him in a bad film, but I've not seen him bad in a film. Uh, he's so. an intense presence on yeah, screen. He and is. Like, he's, he's a great villain. Yeah, so it made Voldemort so good. I mean, he's in Bruges, he's awesome. And, and yeah. This is great. Um, before we cut the episode, I actually thought of something. Um, a new trailer came out today that I know you watched. Uh, for a film called Last Night in Soho. And yes. it looks very good. And I was thinking next season, I'm due for a filmography. So I might do Edgar Wright. But oh, baby. I will plug, if you have not watched this trailer for Last Night in Soho, it looks amazing. And I look forward to doing all of Edgar Wright's filmography. So that might be next season. It's kind of early still where... I don't even know if we're halfway through the Fast and Furious films, but that might be what we're doing next. Don't I will say, me, dude. I'm, yeah. I'm already just... Uh, just bring out the Cornettos. Oh, yes. Um, and from there, I will cut this episode, but I will say that next week, we are going to be talking about Fast and Furious 6, released in 2013. We've got one more movie to get through before we go back to Tokyo Drift. Uh, But Fast and Furious 6, directed by Justin Lin again. Uh, And I don't remember this film at all, so I am excited. I might not have never, uh, I might have never seen this film before. So we'll see. We'll see if anything nostalgic brings it back to my memory. But I believe Steven will be joining me and we should have that out sometime next week. Count on it. Thank you for joining me again, Stephen, and I'll talk to you next time. Peace.